We'd like to thank the John and Thurza Davenport Foundation for supporting the Creative Exchange. This episode is dedicated to the following business patrons who continue to stand with the arts through challenging times. Anchor in. Be Architecture Studio, Beacon Financial, and Cape Associates. Hi, I'm Emma from the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. A few things have changed since last season, mainly a global pandemic. So we felt it was important to document the impact this event has had on artists from Cape Cod and beyond. Each of these conversations were recorded from a distance over Zoom. As such, you may hear a few imperfections in the audio. We hope these conversations comfort, inspire, and remind you that we're in this together. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Today, we're talking with Ashley Gordon, co-founder, artistic and executive director, and a violist of Castle of Our Skins. Castle of Our Skins is a Boston-based concert and educational series devoted to celebrating Black artistry through music. Gordon has received numerous awards and recognitions for her work and was named one of WBUR's Artery 25, 25 Millennials of Color Impacting Boston's Arts and Cultural Scene. As an accomplished arts leader and musician, she has performed across the globe and is described as charismatic and captivating performer. Welcome, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, welcome, Ashley. This is exciting to have you today. And I would love to dig in a little bit more about who you are as an artist and, and also as an arts leader. As a violist, certain, certain tendencies, I think, come out when you pair, when you start looking at the person and the instrument. So the viola normally has a glue-like role in the sense that it blends the soloistic in the limelight spotlight of a violin and the deep, powerful color of the, the cello in chamber music, for instance, and, and where that sort of peanut butter and jelly stickiness that brings it together. Very influential, very capable of uh, lots of manipulation without you knowing it uh, kind of role and, and in the thick of things, but also a little bit behind the scenes, which also extends out into my, my work as a citizen artist, as an artistic director as well too. Uh, very passionate as an educator. Uh, while I didn't finish that music performance, uh, sorry, music education degree, I still very much am, am passionate about education and have been one for about two decades now at this point and very much tie that into, again, with my work with music in general uh, and my organization and love also researching and consider myself a very proud nerd and love connecting with new information, new histories, at least new for me, histories and stories, people past and present, and sharing them as much as possible. So tell us more about Castle of Our Skins. You're a co-founder with Anthony R. Green, who is a composer. So tell us a little bit, how did that get started? Sure. Castle of Our Skins started as a passion project. It still very much is a passion project, but it's a nonprofit now. Passion project, nonprofit. It started when we met at New England Conservatory, being in the same class, 
of master's students, he being a pianist and, and black composer, me being a, a violist. Very much in, in my area of interest is new music and contemporary music and having that personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with a living human being and shaping something uh, together. So we quickly became friends and would connect and collaborate as students. He, following graduation, ended up going to Colorado. I stayed in Boston, so we were on different sides of the country. He now lives in the Netherlands, so we are in totally different time zones again and have been for the real duration of this organization now in its eighth season. But it started with a interest in wanting to support one another. It started also with our own curiosity to figure out where, where our community could be. Um, neither one of us had strong, well, I'll speak for myself, having sort of a strong representation of what, as a Black musician, as a Black creator, what that could potentially look like within a classical genre of Western classical music, um, which is where, where both of us have entry points, not our sole entry points into music, but where we both have entry points. So we were interested in just learning and figuring out, well, we have each other. So maybe there's, I don't know, one or two other people. And of course there's worlds and centuries and plenty to fill the concert stage with. So it started it started just as, as friends and it started as mutually having respect for one another's craft and wanting to continue collaboration and also our own curiosity. In the very early days of, of putting together our very, very first season, we knew that we wanted to be one that would help promote the music of Black composers and have really since expanded that to include Black creatives from the African diaspora, not solely African-American, but really from the diaspora and including as many disciplines as possible to showcase just the um, interconnectedness and the huge breadth of examples of artistry that have existed and are continuing to be created. So that was very important for us. We both are passionate educators and wanted to make sure that we could be positive examples of, um, of, of excellence, right, of uh, success for younger generations, specifically um, those, those of color. And so very much wanted to create an educational arm that was specific for sort of elementary aged uh, students. So we, we did that in our first year and created a workshop uh, called A Little History for Solo Narrating Violist, a one woman show with original music, original poetry, showcasing the lives and stories of different figures in black history. And I think for our first year worth had maybe about 500 youth that we were able to engage with and share as, as much information and history and feel unbridled, I guess, in our ability to be able to do so or unrestricted un, uh, in our ability to do so. With respects to the name, it fits into our passion of really wanting to be interdisciplinary and show as much artistry as possible. It comes from a poem by Nikki Giovanni and Nikki Giovanni being one of my, my favorite poets that I would love to work with while she's still around. And the poem, to paraphrase, says that we're all imprisoned in the castle of our skins. And really, if that's the case, we might as well treat our skin like, like a palace. We, we, we should enjoy living there. We should celebrate it. It's this 
visible structure that we should decorate and see as being beautiful, which is a, a aspirational, positive way to think about skin, especially black skin, given the history in this country is not necessarily the, the immediate sort of warm armed embrace. So we really want to try to promote celebration, not try, we do promote celebration uh, in our programming. You know, tell us more about your work with social justice and, you know, creating some structural lasting change through your art. I feel like Castle of Our Skins is, is doing that. The nature of social justice work, it is long-term commitment. And this, this being our eighth season has, has for us been one where we have embedded into our programming and our speaking and our thinking, the idea of this being a long-term commitment. As a, uh, I had referenced citizen artist earlier, um, thinking that your, your first relationship, your first um, perspective is as, is as a citizen. You're literally part of a community, you're part of an ecosystem, you are a, a benefactor as well as contributor too. Uh, and as a result, there's a, a huge amount of responsibility on both receiving and giving. For citizen artists, the, the mode by which that and hopefully you're a citizen for many years, <laughs> let's say 80 years or 90 years, something like this. So it, so that already is a long-term commitment. Uh, and then the mode by which you express your, your relationships with, with other people is, in this case, um, through music or, or through arts as a citizen artist. So the commitment to uh, education is, is very important. It's very important for the work that we do to um, push back against a monolithic identity, even the, the word community, it, it makes it sound distilled as though it's a singularity or black people that as though it's a singularity, which is anything but the truth. So really trying to showcase as, as broad and range and richly nuanced colored, sort of like looking into a kaleidoscope and seeing a myriad of colors and as, as well as identities, as well as shapes. We very much try to do that and, and do do that with our, with our programming as a, a way to push back against any sort of common, comfortable, tied up with a bow, easy definition or easy response to, to maybe what black music is or what this is or what that, that is. We also, with our programming, are intentional to populate an entire calendar with events that are culturally specific because culture is something that we live and produce with a mindset of and receive on, on a daily 24 seven basis. So uh, it, it is top of mind all the time uh, and is not just because it's this particular day or this particular sort of hallmark anniversary type of a thing, but it's, but it's really a constant. And I think tied into the, the longevity, but also tied into the normalcy of it. It's, it's literally something that we engage with all the time. So why, why don't we just engage with this music, for instance, all the time? That isn't necessarily shared. I think more organizations are starting to adopt that kind of mindset of longevity and just normalcy. But that, that is something that is really integral to the work that we're doing that drives the work that we're doing and is also, I think, seen in the work that we're doing. So I, I'd like to talk about the educational aspect a little more. And I know when I was in elementary school, 
my favorite thing was when a musician would come in or a play would come in and we would, you know, break from our regular lessons and then be able to engage in art. And so that I think introducing art to young children is really important. And, and also things like, I think I've talked about this before, like Mr. Rogers or other TV shows had a lot of music in them. What do you see as a reaction for, for kids of color having representation in the arts through your organization? Yeah, there's some, some sort of immediate takeaways that, that we can notice and that I have certainly noticed. One is just the re relaxation of shoulders, more smiles, able to, for, for me as a teaching artist and certainly for the, for the children, speak in, in a way that is comfortable being able to share certain words and phrases, for instance, without needing to explain or just the level of comfort, the ease, and that that is a physical relaxing of the shoulders and how, how we communicate, um, which is is amazing uh, to be able to to literally have a, a barrier sort of left aside for a moment so that we can engage faster and in, in deeper in, in, a, in a meaningful way. There's also in, in thinking about, for instance, this little history that I had mentioned, I referenced Langston Hughes, and I've been doing this for about eight years, and there are more and more students who don't know who Langston Hughes is. So being able to engage and keep history and memory alive and keep the sort of awesomeness and impressive, impressiveness of those stories alive is, is hugely important. Planting seeds, we like to call it. So uh, those types of engagement and impact take time, but we at least know that we're, we're sowing some seeds so that down the road there, there could be some, some years from now I, I, like you, had an event that came in in fourth grade, and I remember it very vividly, and it caused me to do X, Y, and Z. We would love to be that kind of impact, and that, that of course, will take time once those seeds are sprouted. But uh, it's, it's also just so important, and we know this with statistics and with psychology and with respects to education and just literally human rights, right, that seeing ourselves represented, seeing not only visually, but hearing of our stories and finding connectivity with, with narratives, with lived experiences, even imagined experiences that have some connection to us as a human being draws us in. We're able to engage deeper. We're able to learn uh, just because our interest is peaked type of a thing. So that is, is encapsulated by, by having, for instance, me as a, as a black teaching artist come into a kindergarten program. And while I may not be talking about black composers and I'm talking about, you can be a violist when you grow up someday, there, there are these connections that, that are registered and that is so hugely powerful uh, and one that we very much recognize. Uh, with education, happy, happy to say that Castle Verskins is expanding and we just hired a director of education and it was, it was important for those very reasons to make sure that uh, when speaking about black culture, we have that authenticity in uh, knowledge and lived experiences in physical appearance as well too, so that we have that immediate connectivity because that, that is so hugely powerful and really can't be replicated in any other way. So how do you come out of yourself and then be able to share that with other people? 
Well, I think the instrument is an extension of, of my voice, right? And, and I can pen to paper, I can open my mouth. Um, if I close my mouth, I have my viola. It's, it's an extension of, of what I'm interested in expressing. I don't compose my own music, which I think would be like the ultimate. Ashley Gordon is expressing this. Uh, and so I find that I'm attracted to uh, music that's, that's already written that touches me in, in that kind of way. If I were to write something, maybe it would sound kind of like, if I were to write and say and speak my inner thoughts, it would maybe sound like this. So, so those preferences are already kind of filtered through and it's already that much easier for me to connect to something because I, I have built that, that connection. This what, what I am experiencing, what I'm seeing or and what I'm listening was, was birthed from someone and that someone has a story. Uh, and there's oftentimes a connection with the actual person, with the creator that I'm, I'm able to also draw into. Uh, and something that we, we do often, I, I make sure to do often as most of the music that we play, regardless of when it was written for our audiences is almost 99% new. And they need like those Bach and Beethoven, Mozart, they need some kind of context to be able to uh, find even that much more connectivity with. And that also has to do with storytelling, literally this person's life, what they were envisioning, how I connect with it, what I'm envisioning when I connect, what I would hope for you and invite for you to feel and connect. Um, there's there's an amazing piece that I love performing by Adolphus Hailstork. Um, one of my uh, favorite composers, I've played a, a number of his pieces um, called Song Tomb, a rhapsody for viola and for piano. Um, and in, in writing this piece, it draws a lot from his his youth in, in uh, with respect to church and with respect to other cultures and other musics. But the idea is that it's in a, a cathedral where there is some kind of sanctuary. There is some sort of peace and, and rest and calm and the, the rest of the piece is chaos, is life, right? And you, you'll you hear in the piece moments of where you can find that momentary just rest. You have gone through so much and, and you're able to rest. And then it explodes again into, into chaos. In sharing that story with people and just giving them a, a mindset to, an invitation, I should say, to listen. Here, I won't tell you where they happen, Whatever it means for you to find calm and rest in this piece, find it. It may be fleeting at times, but hold on to those spaces and it, it, know that the chaos is is also fleeting, that there will be those moments of rest and repose. I've had people cry when they hear it. I've had people express all sorts of things that they have imagined. Um, and the piece maybe has some sort of gnarly, um, contemporary, angular sort of um, music sounding to it, but the story is is one that anyone can really walk into. Um, and I think as as a performer, I first have to take that walk. Uh, it's incredibly vulnerable to sort of express and lay that on the line as a performer, but I have to be the first to take a walk if I'm expecting anyone else listening to take that walk. But um, I think that that's, that's important to try to create um, those connection points and context narrative, uh, certainly as a performer, but also for any, anyone else who's engaging uh, as listener, as, as creator with the music. How can 
Cape Codders support your effort here on the Cape. We'd love to somehow connect our kids to what you're doing. Sure. Um, I think our website is a pretty good place to start. So castleskins.org. We have several programs. If you head, head there and onto the seasons page, you'll see the rest of the programs that we have for the season. Every program, thinking in my head, is free. So we have a concert um, January 15th that will um, be live streamed as well as available for six months afterwards. Um, so you can certainly check out that concert. There's another concert February 4th that will also be live streamed. You can't make that specific concert again. It'll be available uh, online. It has one of my favorite pieces by Daniel Bernard Romain, Haitian American composer, violinist, uh, called King, and a concert called Remember King, as in Martin Luther King Jr. The short answer is castleskins.org. And we'll also have that information uh, listed with Ashley's uh, podcast when it's released. So Ashley, thank you so much for the time today and your talent and all that you bring to the community. Really excited to watch what you do um, going further. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to today's guest, Ashley Gordon, for this episode of the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, Executive Director of Promise Down Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Stay well, everyone. Thanks for listening. The Creative Exchange Podcast is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and Provincetown Community Television. Words and music of this season's theme song are by Sarah Burrell, copyright 2009. To donate to the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod's Arts Relief Fund, a project supporting Cape Cod artists and arts organizations impacted by the pandemic, visit artsfoundation.org. It's all in.